árbol del bueno El poderoso no engaña De moreno a comezaña De comezaña moreno Jugando fútbol del bueno El poderoso no engaña Hello and welcome to the South American Football Show on the World Football Index. We've been busy with the Copa Libertadores show over the past month, but with just one Libertadores match this week, it means we can bring you a couple of shows covering South American football, mainly away from the Libertadores. In this episode of the South American Football Show, we will be looking at Colombian football, specifically the fan culture inside one of Colombia's biggest clubs, Deportivo Independiente Medellín, also known as DIM. And I will probably refer to them as DIM for, for much of the show. Join us on the pod. Uh, we will be talking to World Football Index regular and star playmaker in the number 10 shirt, Simon Edwards. How are you tonight, mate? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, no, had a had a fun day yesterday, um, which is uh, going to be a pod coming out with this as well. Um, I, I spent the day with Medellin fans with with our guest tonight and his group of supporters uh, had a good good time at the game. The result wasn't as as good as we hoped, but you know, good experience. Got to see uh, a fellow number ten, Juan Fernando Quintero, play, and had a fun day with the with the group. Would you Would you like to introduce our special guest for the pod tonight, Simon? Yeah, sure. So uh, this is a guy who I've known for five or six years here in Medellin. Uh, he, you know, he works. He works in the, the city. He's a as a teacher, but also he's one of the the founding members of of a a group, a supporters group called La del Centenario, um, which is, you know, he's going to tell us a lot about it. But but it's uh, Jonathan Mort, and uh, yeah, he's going to tell us about the culture and about some of the some of the activities and you know of a of a supporters group for for Independiente Medellin. Jonathan, welcome. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me. No worries, you're, you're very much welcome. Um, I'm your host tonight, Adam Brandon. I think we should start this pod by maybe you guys giving us a little bit of history about Deportivo Independiente Medellin. Yeah, sure. I mean, Jonathan, you, you go straight ahead, so tell me. Um, well, first of all, Jonathan, how did why are you a Medellin fan? Is it something in your family? Is it something, is it a club that you just grew towards or you know why do you support Medellin well it is kind of a funny story because well my dad likes Millonarios it, it is another very popular team here in Colombia and my mom supports Nacional which happens to be our rival we were little I mean me and my brother we got this gift from my mom a uniform a Nacional uniform and we were playing, we were very little, maybe seven years old. I was three, I think. And uh, we were playing uh, outside and uh, one of us scored a goal. We were shouting like, oh, goal, goal, Medellin. So my mom was very disappointed and very sad. <laughs> and uh, it is kind of a funny story. Uh, we like Medellin maybe because we like we're very passionate about our city and that is the name of our city and also the colors i think they're the most beautiful colors uh they represent life happiness they represent a lot of a lot of emotions so yeah red and blue are our colors and um, that is why maybe i felt kind of identified and with and uh, what else no that's it we're not like the most times 
you know, like champions or anything, but it is, yeah, kind of weird, kind of a weird story, but... Okay, nice, nice. Good to hear, because sometimes people maybe think the divide between Nacional and Medellin is is so profound, but but I suppose, I mean, and, and it's true that, you know, people in the same family, people in the same building, you know, have passionate support for, for both of the teams. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the, there is, we're rivals, but... You know, our family is like very open minded and very respectful. So they always taught us that that we should be respectful no matter who we are dealing with. Everyone deserves respect. So if we like another team is just that is not a reason to get bullied or to get harmed or, you know, in any way. So I, we learned that from our parents and that's the culture that we would like to promote among other fans. My understanding is is that DIM are kind of a people's club of the city. Is, is that true? People's club? Um, well, Medellin is very traditional. It's a very traditional team. It's actually the oldest team in Colombia. It was founded in 1913. Yes, it's more than 100 years of of history. So, yeah, I suppose that you can find everything in everyone in this uh, group of fans. Uh, we have people, you know, who are doctors and who have studied a lot and who have a lot of money, but we also find people that, you know, that don't have like the best financial situation. So, yeah, you can find everything and that that is what is special that we find when we go to the stadium we can see and we get to see all of the city you know like there just chanting and supporting the team and forgetting about their economical status or their educational background they just go support have a good time that's really good yeah no it's interesting because um obviously you know, the traditional idea is that Nacional is kind of the prestigious team. They call themselves the king of the cups. And it's the team that's traditionally associated with kind of their identity is built around kind of nationalism and success. Whereas Medellin is kind of the the outsiders team traditionally. But then obviously within the fan groups, as Jonathan says, you know, you have fans from every different kind of background. You know, it's not as though the Medellin fans are solely from the from the pop popular neighborhoods, the people's neighborhoods, um, you have a mix between both. But I think some of the identity is partly to do with that. Jonathan, I was wondering, um, the X's, Medellin, all of the names, Resistencia Norte is spelt with lots of X's. Um, there seems to be a big association with the letter X. Do you, do you know why that is with Medellin? I do, I do, yeah. There are definitely different theories about that. But what we know is that it is because, I mean, those X's are just to cross out the um, negative impact that journalists, the news in general, like mass media can have on people's perspectives. When you're talking about a barista or, or when you're talking about someone who likes soccer, because of the journalism, people are going to think that baristas or, you know, supporters are vandals and they do um, horrible things they are always like killing people or whatever so we are there you know one of the exes is against that another one is because as you said before simon um nacional is a very successful team no one 
candy knife head, but some of them are very arrogant. Some of them are, yes, they're like, they're more usually humili humiliating us just because they were like better or a better team or they were in a better uh, economical situation at the moment. One of the exes is also to cross that out. And um, yes, that's part of the history behind them. Okay, because it's interesting. You see a lot of the the team, uh, the supporter group names and a lot of the banners. Whenever there's an S, they will put an X in. So it's interesting to hear a bit of the background behind uh, why that's done and why that's part of the, the fan culture. So w would it be fair to say that Atletico Nacional kind of draw their support from the whole country where Dima may be more of the team of Medellin, the city? Yes, Medellin is definitely only Medellin people, like people from Medellin. And uh, that is part of the of what we love, that, that tradition, that thing that is like the love and the, yeah, the, the promotion of that, of that respect and that tradition throughout a lot of generations. Difficult times, of course. Uh, of course, Nacional has fans throughout the country, but... That was actually since 1989 when they won their first Libertadores Cup and uh, they became very popular ever since. So we kind of compare our feeling and uh, we think that it is our feeling is like more authentic because we didn't need that. We didn't need that to support our team. We didn't need that to fall in love with these beautiful colors. You know, we actually had a lot of bad moments in our history, but fans were always there. Yes, as Simon said at the beginning, Medellin is one of the greatest teams in Colombia, not really because of its history, but because of the fans. And that is what makes the team a very traditional and great team in the country. Yeah, definitely. Screw the glory hunters. Simon? I, I, you know, in the recent years, you, you guys have uh, organized yourself and uh, you've created this group, La del Centenario. Could you tell me a little bit about uh, the, the group, why you guys set this group up? What some of the philosophies and the ideas behind creating this supporters group uh, within the Medellin fan base uh, are? Yes, of course. Look, La del Centenario was founded in the celebration of the centenary of Medellin uh, Yes, it was the hundred, yeah, the first centenary in Colombia. We got together because we were planning to do something different in the largest location in the stadium, which is the the place that we go to now, that is east, that location, Oriental. Yeah, we wanted to do something different. This Facebook post Uh, by some of my friends, uh, his name is Kenny, and he posted on Facebook something like, oh, we should do something different. Uh, if someone has an idea, please come to a meeting. So it was very informal, actually, but we met there. Yes, it was like maybe a week before the celebration. So we had only seven days to plan whatever we wanted to do. So we met, we did a lot of things, we had a lot of plans, we liked each other a lot, the people that attended the meeting, 
we were very supportive and we were very passionate. And then that was my idea to create something out of it. We created La Centenario. So we founded that group. Yeah, it's become very special because, I mean, the, the philosophy or the values that we want to promote are very meaningful and not only for soccer fans, but for everyone. Mm, respect, uh, being supportive doesn't mean that you have to kill someone else or that you have to, um, you know, hurt someone else. Yes, I mean, respect is basically number one. And also being accept differences, something that we were talking about earlier was women, you know, women have been very excluded throughout history here in Colombia. Uh, women couldn't vote, women couldn't do this and that. Basically, with some generations ago, women began to go to the stadium and to enjoy the sport too, but still, they, are, they were not included in, in barras, like in groups of fans. We have been trying to promote that, you know, inclusiveness. So respect, being inclusive, accepting differences, And uh, yeah, that's part of our philosophy. Plus, you know, women are very creative, usually. So we love to have them with us, too. The group has around 70 people or sometimes more, sometimes less. It really depends on the match. It depends on the time of the match. Yeah, it depends on a lot of different factors, but we are usually 70 people. So yeah, we enjoy a lot being together and chanting and you know sometimes we bully each other but in a very you know funny way so we have a lot of fun together and um, that is part of the culture that we have promoted since the very beginning no oh, and, and it was uh i was lucky enough to join you guys yesterday spend the day together we attended to a game um when i was involved in all the all the fun of that and uh yeah so we can go to a clip now of of my day with the Lado Centenario uh, Medellin Supporters Group. Okay, so it, it's Sunday, just getting up, getting ready to go to the game. Sun is shining, so hopefully it stays that way. Uh, it's going to be Medellin versus La Equidad. I'm going to meet up with La del Centenario, which is one of the supporters groups from uh, Deportivo Independiente Medellin. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to finding out a bit about, you know, the preparation, a bit about, you know, the the culture of the the barra. Uh, also, we're doing an interview with uh, Jonathan Mort, who's one of the guys who set up this group. They've been set up fairly recently, but they're, you know, they're a part of the bigger Independiente Medellin supporters group. Uh, I know there's a lot of young guys involved. Um, so looking forward to meeting everybody, uh, finding out how things go. Hopefully the weather stays nice. Uh, you know, it's not the biggest game, but I've heard Medellin might be playing a strong team. So, yeah, look, looking forward to it. It should be a good experience. All right, so I've got the, got the Medellin shirt at the stadium. going to go meet everybody at uh, Floresta Station now. Uh, they're going to walk there from, from there to the stadium. It's like maybe 15 minutes walk. So I'm jumping in the taxi because I don't want to be late. So I'm going to go meet everybody over there. Walk over to the stadium. Uh, at the stadium, they've already started getting some of the big banners ready. So yeah, gonna catch up with everyone, see how things are going, and then walk over to the stadium now. So 
I live in Florida, so familiar surroundings. Alright, keep up, catch up in a bit. Okay, so here just at the Floresta station, everyone just had their meeting, uh, talking about the game, talking about next week's game. Uh, a lot of positivity. Uh, there were some people who uh, who had some trouble, you know, some financial trouble. They were talking about doing a raffle. They were taking uh, donations for that, which is really nice. Also, um, they're thinking about next week's game against America de Cali. They've got a bit of an agreement with some of the America de Cali supporters groups. So they're talking about, you know, giving them some support when they come to the town. Uh, putting them up, giving them some free accommodation. Uh, it's a lot of uh, you know supportive, supportive of other groups, uh, creating a positive atmosphere, football in peace, uh, and also you know it's also useful because there's a bit of conflict with Deportivo Cali. So when they go to Cali, you know, nice to have some friends. So yeah, everyone's cool. Uh, getting ready to go to the game. Uh, Going to start moving towards the stadium now. So I'll keep you Okay, I'm at the Obelisco cent uh, Commercial Center now, shopping center, which is uh, kind of the meeting place for the, the Medellin fans. Uh, the, like on the classical days, the south is the Nacional and the north is Medellin. So that's kind of the same thing that happens. The south is a, Flore a, state a stadio station and the north is a Obelisco shopping center. So everyone's meeting now, starting to have some drinks outside the stadium. Get ready to go in and get some tickets uh, and go into the game. So yeah, just had a nice like 25 minute chat with a, a guy who sells beers, talking about all the players, it's, it's, it's cool, good fun. Uh, the so that's the Medellin bus, just arriving at the stadium, uh, there's a... A big row, big row of uh, motorcycles behind, uh, bump, tooting their horns, all the fans cheering. So yeah, just chatting to a guy who, uh, who his job is to sell beers to pay for the travel for the for the fans. So he had a nice chat, but he uh, got dragged over to to get back to selling. He had to pay for some trips. Big games coming up. Okay, okay, cool. I'm here with Esteban and Hans, just outside the stadium by the Obelisco. Uh, so Hans, man, interesting name, man. Where are you from? I'm Colombian German. Uh, okay, cool. So you've been supporting Medellin all your life, or? Uh, since 2004, when I came to visit from Germany, uh -huh. and uh, I've been living here now for 
about a year and I've missed only one game I think wow okay cool do you go to away games sometimes as well I've been to one in, in uh, Manizales okay nice 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 so what's what's your favorite thing about the like match day experience uh, coming to the games uh, probably meeting up with uh, all my friends from La del Centenario uh, yeah the chance because uh, I like to liberate my energies uh, on the stands and uh, yeah just football nice nice so um, what do you think are some of the like misconceptions about the supporters here in Medellin so sometimes you know people have a lot of respect and people really appreciate the the, the show and the, the atmosphere uh, but sometimes there's some negative atmosphere you know aspects as well uh, I mean what do you think about that yeah I think uh, the negative aspects about uh, South American football culture is that when they get into a fight they don't just beat up each other but they kill each other which is extremely exaggerated but otherwise like there's more passion I think than in most other countries and uh, I also like the rhythm that all the chants have in South America okay and what on this year the Medellin team uh, what, what are your thoughts uh, who are the key players uh, how, how far can they go in the Libertadores uh, <laughs> If I, if, if you asked me without being a fan, I, I'd say maybe quarterfinals. Um, yeah, because uh, Quintero's leaving in two months. But uh, yeah, as a fan, I'd say we would be able to win it if we really try. <laughs> okay, nice. And today's game, what, what do you think? What's the result going to be? Obviously, lots of changes. I think uh, he's going to give uh, the, the main 11 minutes, so I think obviously we'll win, and probably 3-0, 3-1, something like that. Alright, cool, hope so, thanks so much. Okay, cool. I'm here with uh, Manolo. Hey, Manolo, how you doing? Hey, fine, thank you. Ah, nice, man. Uh, so, yeah, tell me, man. Tell me about yourself. Why are you here? Why do you support Medellin? Uh, I started following Medellin uh, with my grandfather uh, at the age of eight years. Uh, now I'm 17 and I go everywhere. I, I went to Barranquilla last weekend and I just like, like to be always with Medellin. Nice man. So, what's what's your favorite thing about coming to the Medellin games? Uh, stay with the friends. I really don't care about the the scores or the goals. I just like to came uh, to get fun. I uh, stay all the the day with my friends uh, before uh, the game and after the game, and we just uh, get crazy here on the stadium. Nice man. Nice. And in terms of like the rivalries with other teams, like how much is it about the football on the pitch and how much is it about the fans and competing, you know, in the stands? Um, I, like what, how? Like como la compa, eh, como con otros equipos, otros rivales. Okay. Es más de, de la cancha o es también es como en competencia de yes. ambiente y todo eso. Um, here, I think the most. Uh, 
competencia eh, is with Cali. Eh, those guys eh, make eh, many things to us, eh, to friends, eh, they fight and all the stuff. So it's the only eh, team that I don't like. But even with the national that it's eh, of the same city, we have friends of them and we spend the game eh, together sometimes. And we don't really have any problem with the other eh, and uh, so this this year, how do you think Medellin are going to do in the Libertadores? Do you think they could maybe win it this year? Uh, I'm not sure, uh, but soccer have not have anything uh, riding, and I think we could we could uh, make a nice campaign. Uh, we have a nice team, and maybe we don't start with the right fit, but uh, we are getting better. All right, cool, man. Cheers. Look forward to the game, and uh, let's see how we do. Okay, cool. I'm here with uh, Esteban. He's one of the fans of Medellin. Esteban, man, eh, ¿por qué te gusta tanto Medellin? Why do you like Medellin so much? Eh, me gusta mucho Medellin porque siempre ha sido una tradición de familia. Que siempre dicen y todo que del rojo como mi padre no tuve la oportunidad. Sino mi padrino. Él fue el que me enseñó estos colores y gracias a Dios tengo la mejor herencia del mundo. Okay, so he says he likes the, the family feel of the club. It's a team that his dad has like, taught him to support and uh, he's always been you know closely associated with the the colors of the team entonces te gusta pues hay veces tú asistes los partidos también en otras partes y pues cómo es cómo es la experiencia de ser un espectador visitante en un estadio ya tenía la oportunidad de viajar dos veces a Manizales y a Pereira han sido experiencias buenas y malas buenas porque los dos partidos los hemos ganado tanto en unos partidos esos pasamos a la final y son experiencias que no siempre va a recordar tanto en el viaje como en el estadio okay cool so I asked about uh, his experience of being a visiting fan and he said he went to the semi-finals and it was a good experience you know good and bad things but he enjoyed because they won the game and they got through to the final and also on the journey and on the bus and having that whole experience of being a fan at the game y bueno este año como tu piensas que Medellín puede ganar la Libertadores como están los jugadores más importantes por el equipo este año con el Libertadores siempre ha sido el sueño desde el 2003 tenemos esa Pinita que nos quedó por un gol que volamos en semifinales. Gracias a Dios este año tenemos un plantel de equipos como los jugadores de alta calidad, como los son Quintero, Marrugo, David González, Andrés Mosquera, que son jugadores que quieren la institución, la respetan y son capaces de instancias definitivas como lo que es en este momento en la Libertadores, que sí o sí le tenemos que ganar a Melec para poder clasificar. Son jugadores que son capaces de dejar la casa y todo para poder clasificar y por qué no ser campeones del continente. Okay, yeah, no, he says that this year they've got a lot of players with, with high quality. It's been the dream for many, many years. Uh, and this year, you know, he thinks they've got a team that's able to qualify. And uh, from then we see how things go. But yeah, he's confident that the team can be competitive with players like Marrugo, like Quintero, good quality players. And he's hopeful that things will work out. Eh, bueno, este partido hoy, ¿cómo vamos, ¿cómo vamos a terminar? ¿Cómo tú piensas que sería el, el resultado? Eh, hoy el resultado es todo. Hoy Medellín sale con toda la titular. Hoy, hoy Medellín tiene que sacar todo el, todo 
el equipo y todo y toda la gallardía que siempre muestran a lo largo del semestre. Hoy para mí queda el marcador 3-1 y todo. Uno de Castro, Quintero y uno de Viola. Okay, so he thinks that today Medellín are going to put out a strong team. Uh, it's very important for them to win and to get qualified from the for the groups. So he thinks it can be 3-1 with goals from Quintero, uh, from Castro, and from Viola. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully he's right. Thanks very much. So the Medellin team's been announced and it's the first team for the Libertadores. So I get to watch Quintero, Marrugo, Piedraita, Leo Castro. Should be a good game. Medellin are hoping to win three or four and uh, secure their qualification for the for the finals for the league. So looking forward to it, uh, especially Quintero. Love a number 10. So half time, it's uh, one all. Medellin took the lead through Cristian Marugo, and uh, but Lequidad just equalised just before half time. Pretty even game, pretty pretty you know competitive, but Lequidad are better than I remember. Medellin aren't playing as they can. So see how it goes in the second half. Okay, so finally found a taxi. It was pouring in the rain after the game, so everyone ran to, to for cover. And then it was the kind of rain where you don't even want to wait and, and in the road to get a taxi. And then when even even when there's one there, you don't really want to go and get in it. But hey, I'm in a taxi on my way home. Ten o'clock, fun day. Disappointing result for Medellin. It ended one all. Uh, Cristian Marrugo opened the score in for the home side, who were playing a full strength team. Despite Copa Libertadores games, this is one they targeted to get up the three points. And unfortunately, Lequidad equalised just before half-time. In the second half, it was all dim, but they couldn't they couldn't break through. Nice to see Quintero playing. Marrugo is a good player, but disappointing result. But hey, atmosphere was fun. It was, uh, yeah, good, good experience. Uh, lots of interesting things. Uh, the fans, you know, the community aspect is really cool. The way the whole, you know, the whole build-up to the game, uh, being together, you know, during the game, uh, is is just as important as the result on the field for a lot of these guys. So it's cool to see. Uh, interesting, interesting experience. Going to speak to Jonathan tomorrow and uh, find out a little bit more. But hey, end of the day, tired, going to go home and sleep well. But yeah, fun game. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for that, Simon. Uh, uh, superb content for for the South American Football Show and World Football Index. Sounded like you had a great time. Yeah, no, it was really good. Um, and and you know, there's a lot of ideas and stereotypes South American fans. Um, we've talked about on the pod recently. Obviously, people have a lot of respect for the for the passion and for the songs. But sometimes, you know, people can focus too much on some of the negative aspects, the violence, and some of the negative things. But for me, what stood out most of all from from yesterday's game was was the the family, the experience, was the you know was was getting together and 
you know, as I mentioned in that clip there, you know, some of the things that the guys are talking about helping each other out, um, you know, bringing, you know, helping out certain members of the group and you need a bit of help with this and that. So it was really a family feel to the whole occasion. Obviously, the songs are infectious. Uh, the, the fans are passionate and very animated, but it definitely felt like a really positive overall experience. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the, the bit I probably enjoyed most in that clip was the young guy. I, th- I think you said before the pod he's like 16, 17 years old. I didn't catch his name. What was it, Simon? Uh, yeah, uh, Manolo. Yeah, 17 Manolo, years old. Yeah. yeah, and he was saying about going and supporting Dim wasn't so much about the result. It was about the kind of a community spirit and you know getting together with his friends you know supporting his team and I can I can so much relate to that where the result isn't everything because when I went to see my team Norwich home and away and even here to an extent with with Arika here in Chile if if I go to the stadium every week I I find myself not caring so much about result I'm just pleased to be there with my friends, sharing some laughs, having some beers on the way, maybe playing some cards, playing some games with my friends, playing jokes, um, as Jonathan mentioned earlier, you know, uh, winding each other up a little bit, teasing each other. You know, it's not just about the football on the pitch. And I think that's when you find yourself, you know, really in the spirit of things of going to football when you've got that kind of community around you. Now that I live in South America... When I watch my team on the TV, I find myself a lot more bothered about result than I ever was when when I was actually living in England and seeing Norwich home and away every week. I, I, I found that really fascinating to hear. As a spectator, especially within a group that's so animated, that's so passionate, that makes so much noise, you definitely feel that you are part of the, the game. So whereas when you're watching on TV, you're just hoping that the guys on the TV screen do their job. When you're in the stadium, it's much more. You feel much more of a participant in the action. Again, there's all the other, the things involved. Um, you know, different supporters groups are kind of in competition as well in in the stands to make the bigger, the bigger salida, the bigger hinchada, the bigger, the bigger display, the bigger noise. Um, Jonathan, I mean, how how is that with with the fans? The the kind of the friendly competition, the sometimes not so friendly competition, and I understand Medellin have good, some good relationships with some of the clubs uh, in South America. Um, could you talk a little bit about some of the, the partnerships that Medellin have and also some of the, the rivals in, uh, in South America? Well, yeah, definitely feeling part, you know, part of a group or part of a community is really important. And it's, that is what keeps us always together because we enjoy being with with each other about rivals i think that you know what makes soccer so popular is that i mean is that there is always a rival and there is always another team you know to play but when that doesn't happen i mean we have to understand that when that doesn't happen when there is no rival it's not so i mean it what i'm trying to say is violence exists and violence is a bad thing, of course, because it doesn't only affect friends, it also affects families. And someone who goes to the stadium is not only a fan, that person has a background, that person has a history, that person has a life. So when violence comes to ruin this sport, that 
kind of sucks because I mean it doesn't kind of suck it sucks big time I mean that damages and that destroys the life the passion and the the good thing the good things that are behind our celebrations and our uh, previas and our meetings and everything so what we try to do is to promote this message of respect of soccer in peace well i think it, it has been worth it it has worked and we are continue we're going we're going to continue to develop that and to promote that message in south america well violence was really strong in the past in Argentina then it kind of went up throughout the continent well those are things that you should that you that no one should learn because before the the, the 90s you know my dad tells me I was born in 1990s so I couldn't leave that that time but my dad tells me that you know going to a match in Colombia was a very fun thing to do. It was not a dangerous activity at all. I mean, people used to go with their families, uh, baby boys, baby girls, uh, going with their parents, you know, like having lunch while mm, looking at the game and uh, being part of, of that, that big community. It, it didn't matter if you were wearing red or green, you know, talking about the colors of the traditional teams in Medellin. But After the 90s, after uh, cable TV came to the country, I don't know, we started learning those bad things from from outside. So that lack of identity and lack of culture and lack of being patriotic caused that violence. And, you know, it's very good when you get together with a barra, but it, it is very bad when you belong to that group and you kind of have to attack another group because they like another team or just because they have a different color shirt. I hope we can change that one day. And uh, that's the message that we want to promote. I mean, it does, it does seem that there's been some positive step. During my time here in Medellin, the classic or the derby between Nacional and Medellin has gone from being split between Nacional and Medellin. Actually, I, I went with Jonathan to a game. Um, I When I first came here, obviously, my friends I first met were Ma Nacional fans. So I had myself a Nacional shirt. And I remember one time I said, hey, Jonathan, I want to go to the Clásico. And he said, "Okay, no problem. I'll take you. We'll go to the North Stand, which is the hardcore Medellin stand. But I didn't I didn't know what side of the, the stadium was each team. So I was about to get my Nacional shirt and go and meet Jonathan and go to the stadium. But luckily, he mentioned, oh, don't wear don't wear a green shirt. Just 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 a just a little heads up. So, you know, I was going to head off to the to the hardcore Medellin North Stand with my green and white striped shirt. Luckily, I didn't do that. But after after that initial classical with the with the divide, then they stopped allowing away fans for a while. Um, but that started to come back. You know, are things improving? I mean, it's always good to have a classical with both Nacional and Medellin fans. Is that something that's improving, in your opinion, Jonathan? Yeah, it is improving and it is very evident and it makes us very happy because we have been working for this. Yes, I mean, the, that message that we have been trying to promote is definitely showing results. Yes, we feel very proud of that. And besides, you know, personally, I have this personal experience. Uh, my mom is a Nacional fan, and I wouldn't attack her just because she likes Nacional. I mean, that's crazy. 
my neighbors or you know you have to learn to accept the difference and to not only accept it but respect it those things are values that every society needs to have in order to to be better every day and yes it is improving and we are very proud of it and we are participants of that because we think that it is not only like oh yeah we like it we have to go a step further we have to pr to continue to promote that okay cool i mean one of the things monolo said is he's been to quite a few away games um and that's always something that's so impressive to see uh south american fans sometimes from poorer backgrounds poorer neighborhoods who travel to away games in colombia which is uh, a difficult country to to travel across uh, you know it's 20 hour bus ride up to the coast um, to see thousands of away fans making that journey uh, and also in South America for the Libertadores. With the uh, away fans and with the supporters groups, how do they uh, help pay for these uh, trips? I, when I was at the stadium, there were some guys selling some beers to, to build up some funds. Do the, do the clubs provide some support with away fans and with some of the supporters groups? How do the, the club contribute to that and um also what ways do fans get together the money for these impressive long trips to away games there is actually law that is coming maybe next month it says that clubs cannot help fans in any way like uh i mean financially fans have to you know to get their own resources and their own yeah their own money just to travel or to do something in the stadium or you know to prepare salidas or whatever clubs cannot be involved in that you know different groups do different things for instance in la del centenario we have we have sold flags we have sold bracelets what else we have made raffles uh, yeah different activities yes just to get some money and also well this is a very nice aspect almost all of us are adults so we work we support the younger generations so when we cannot go we try to do an activity so that we can collect some money also in every match we collect yeah the person that wants to give some money just for the benefit of all does if someone doesn't have any money or doesn't want to give uh, any money doesn't have to do it but this is more of a goodwill yes those are the activities some other people sell alcohol some other people sell um, other stuff like shirts or you know souvenirs yeah that's what we do uh, every group has different activities and we support that here here in chile i've been i've been part of like a a very small bar or group of san marcos de Arica, a very small club here in chile currently in the primera b but with 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 those guys you know sometimes they go around with like a hat and just people put the money in the hat but like you say you know sometimes they're organized like a five-a-side tournament or something like that or sell some food outside the ground yeah it, it it sounds very similar albeit on on a on a on a smaller scale but i think that's quite a common thing throughout south america and it is really important to point out the distances in south america as well you know they are so vast 
And I don't think people realise until maybe they come here to visit or live here. You know, because on, on most world maps, you know, the actual size of the continent is not scaled correctly. So, so people do get surprised by the distances involved travelling from from one city to another or one country to another in the Libertadores or Sudamericana. Do you travel to most away matches by coach, I imagine, or, or is there any time that you'd maybe take a plane? Well, I've only taken mm, flights, like planes, to Bogota, but it was actually because I had to work the next day, so I couldn't stay and I couldn't travel by bus. Uh, just because that's spe- that was like that special occasion, but for some other times, yeah, sure, I have traveled. As we were mentioning before, traveling is a very fun activity because usually travel together, la centenario. So not all of us, of course, but most of us travel. Yeah, it's a very good experience. Just the fact that you know that you are with your crew, that you are with your group of people and that you're going to support your team away like somewhere else in another city or even in another country it's it's very good it's very fun and we chant all the way and um, it's just a very nice experience and I've known a lot of different cities different stadiums and different fans uh, just by traveling so it's a very rewarding experience. The bad thing is when we travel, we're not very well received in some parts of Colombia. It's okay. I mean, it's part of, of the process of promoting a message of respect and tolerance. Um, a lot of people are not going to take that, you know, just very easily. But yes, I mean, sometimes it is kind of risky or dangerous, but it's definitely a great experience. Yeah, definitely. You can't beat an away day. Um, when I was talking to Simon Prepod, he mentioned to me um, about the fact that you guys there in the De La Centenario, that you have like a relationship with some like supporter groups of other teams of maybe America de Cali. Well, we didn't really have like something like a friendship or or something like that. You know, we're, we're trying to promote this respect among fans. Our team is playing America uh, next week. I mean, this Saturday, actually. So if we want to be treated, you know, well there next semester, we better treat them in a good way this semester. So what we try to do is like these strategic alliances for us to get tickets more easily, to have a good time. And, you know, traveling to another city for especially, you know, teams from Cali, uh, Medellin and Bogota, the fans usually fight and they usually have a very strong, let's say, competence or it it, it would be great if that disappears. If, if we could just take away the violins and the those things, you know, take them away from soccer and just enjoy respecting each other. We haven't built like relationships of friendship. It's just about being respectful and uh, we're going to receive them. We have um, an event planned for before the game, during the game and after the game. So we're going to be with them uh, just to offer them some free accommodation if possible to change 
the the perspective that people have on different fans and uh, you know to promote that's going to be a very rewarding experience hopefully there can still be this kind of intense passionate rivalry that that is so enriching to south american football it's so much better if if some of the the less savory aspects of that you know are taken out there can be competition but competition in the right spirit is is always really nice to see uh, so it's cool to hear these these projects one thing as well um Medellin always have some of the best attendances in Colombia. Uh, and, I, and I've heard that the, the, the directors at uh, Medellin have been particularly supportive of, of you know, ensuring low t- uh, season ticket prices and, and trying to make sure that tickets are affordable. Uh, is that something that the club has been involved with? Because there seems to be a very impressive attendance at Medellin. Um, and it seems to be maintained even when the games aren't so important. You know, Nacional uh, have fill the stadium for the big games and when they're doing well, but there seems to be quite a big drop-off where Medellin seems to maintain a good uh, attendance for most of the games. Uh, why do you think that is? Is it, is it down to ticket pricing? Is there some other things that the club are doing to make it easier for fans to attend the games? I think that, yeah, it's definitely how affordable they are is one of the factors, but also Medellin, you know, Medellin have filled the stadium in many cases without being, you know, like finals or uh, quarterfinals or, you know, just, it depends on, as I said before, on a lot of different factors, the schedule, the timing, the, uh, the weather, even the weather, yeah. Of course, the low prices have helped because, as I mentioned before, Medellin has a lot of different fans from different backgrounds. Uh, low prices, of course, that, that's going to help us a lot. Also, yeah, Medellin have a lot of fans. Yes, very passionate fans. So it's not the same watching a game on TV or listening to a game on the radio than actually going to the stadium and support the team and, you know, um, being with your friends. I think, yes, there are a lot of different factors. That factor is obviously important, but it's not the only one. No, that's cool. And and it it sounds like having spoken to people, it does feel that people are starting to come back to the stadium. People who previously would have... I've spoken to a lot of people who, as you mentioned with your with your dad, um, who went to the stadium when they were children and then maybe had some bad experiences in, in the, you know, the 90s and 2000s where things maybe spiraled a little bit out of control. It does feel that Colombian football is getting back on top of the situation and it does feel that, uh, as you mentioned, you have within your group a lot of, of mothers, of, of younger fans, of, of women. It does feel that the stadium is, is seen as a, a safer place now a place that families can go to that that is something very impressive and i think very important in the same way you know i'm from england and, and in england with the hooligan culture um football became something that that was associated with hooliganism that was you know if you are a, a woman from a certain background maybe you would think that going to the stadium is is, is dangerous and it's you know, there, there's a big divide between football fans and, and the general population. It does seem that in Colombia now that the stadium is becoming something that, that everyone feels comfortable attending. Obviously, there are still pockets of the most hardcore fans where it can be quite intimidating. 
But I do feel that people in general are, are feeling more comfortable to go to games. Is that something you've experienced? Yes, uh, because, yeah, people have now a better perspective and a better understanding that maybe violence, I mean, violence hasn't been left behind completely, but, you know, we've been making a lot of progress there. So people are not feeling or, you know, taking this stadium as a, as a dangerous place. And um, actually, they're looking at the stadium as a safe place and a nice place to go. Also, you know, though, just the songs, um, yeah, the chants. I don't know if you guys know, but the a lot of barras, a lot of groups here have musical instruments. Medellin is the one, Medellin Barra is the one with the best the best musical instruments so yeah there are actual musicians playing for the team and that is something that attracts people too we think what we do is promoting a message of respect that has changed a lot of uh, people's perspectives yeah I, i think it's so difficult to get the balance right i think as simon quite rightly pointed out um in england you know there isn't really a problem with hooligans anymore certainly in the in the club game in the premier league for example but what has suffered certainly in the last 10-15 years with the higher ticket prices and the all-seater stadiums is the atmosphere you know the atmosphere can be quite quiet for a lot of games you know if you if you turn on any game in or, or you go to any stadium in south america you'll hear singing and music throughout the whole map throughout stadiums in south america there is that feeling that you know things could still kick off at any time it is such a difficult balance like i say because here in chile when i first moved here they had many problems with violence in the stadiums they brought in this this like law with which was called estadio seguro um like safe stadium and they just basically banned everything from the ground you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't have banners you couldn't have any kind of bits of paper You couldn't have instruments, as they said they could be used as weapons. So they banned everything you can think of which makes up that typical South American fan experience. And what you were left with was empty stadiums, basically, and quiet stadiums, because people just didn't have the motivation to go. You know, the, the quality of the football on the pitch isn't good enough. In England, they can get away with, with maybe banning a lot of things from the stadium because the product on the pitch is so good. But here in South America, I, th I think you need that atmosphere to make going to the stadium you know, a worthwhile experience. Um, I don't know what your opinion on that is, Simon. It's a definitely a, a def difficult balancing act. I mean, very much the clubs in South America are still directed and led by the fans. And the supporters groups like Jonathan and, and some of the more traditional sports groups have a big influence on how things work. I mean, within the, within the North and the South, the, the populares, the, the kind of the cheaper areas where some of the bigger traditional sports groups are, the police don't come into the stadium. Um, a lot of it is led by the supporters groups themselves and by logistics teams. Um, Jonathan, so in terms of the, the management of the, the stadium on game day, how much is it the fans organizing their own members and their own, you know, their own fellow fans and, and organizations and supporters groups? And how much is it the police and the, the club 
kind of how how is the game day managed uh, who who are the the volunteers how how does that that work because it's interesting to see for example guys with like uh, yellow and orange t-shirts who are kind of organizing things around the stadium and then there's also some police as well how does how does that work at the international for for the medellin games well usually police officers are just in charge of checking people making sure that they're not going to get have you know like weapons or that they are not going to take weapons inside the stadium or some i mean the, the stadium is a place where a lot of people think that they can go and just have maybe cocaine or weed police officers kind of make sure that that doesn't happen other fans they are called they, that is a kind of a volunteer volunteering program uh, they are called the logistics they have to wear a different color shirt ours is orange what they try to do is that they try to avoid violence like inside the 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 specific location in this case north they make sure that there are no fights and that if our team scores so that they that that the fans don't go inside the the court Yeah, it's like making sure that everything goes as planned. It is, yeah, teamwork because what the police officers do is definitely worth it and really important. But we, what fans do is actually more important because they are promoting that message of equality. Since this was implemented, violence and all the bad things was, you know, they were definitely reduced and we hope it continues like that yeah i think it's, it's interesting because it's basically the clubs working with their fans and trusting their fans because the thing is when you have police officers in in riot gear or police officers in in bright luminous yellow it's quite a provocative thing to have them coming into the to the fans and and as we've seen in places like italy when from the outside they try to police the the barras or the 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 hardcore fan groups it can create a divide and create a con a conflict so i think it one of the one of the big successes in colombia is that the the club and the police work directly with the fans who potentially could be the biggest problem the fans who are the most passionate the fans who always come in large numbers who attend every game by working directly with them by having volunteers who kind of a liaise between the club and between the the supporters groups because these supporters groups are less likely to to create problems or to to try and defy or potentially create violence with with guys just like them guys who if they weren't wearing a logistics shirt would be wearing a, a red medellin shirt so i think that's a really really effective way that that helps empower the fans while also creating a more secure atmosphere and a you know the stadium really should be a place where everyone comes together to celebrate the same thing you know all of the fans are there for the same reason but sometimes when you have external forces placing limitations as you mentioned in chile obviously there has to be searches there has to be security there has to be you know limitations to an extent to what can be allowed in the stadium but i think by by trusting by empowering Um, some of these supporters groups and these are the same supporters groups who have the the negative perspe uh, perception these will be you know hooligans and thugs will be the general idea of these groups but they're a lot more than that and everything kind of works because these groups 
uh, have power within the stadium and and make sure things work well and that the sports come together. Jonathan, one of the last things before we go, Medellin had a, a banner you know a year or so ago, which was the whole way around the stadium, which was incredible. These big big banners, uh, how how are they put together? It must take a lot of people, a lot of planning with the displays and with the banners. How does that work, and and who leads that? Is it is it the supporters groups or their external? Uh, influence from the clubs how do these things come together well each banner is well yeah their their job is just amazing they're a group that is called la banda de los trapos they are very responsible in every match they they do that so they put the they hang the banners and every banner represents a group of resistencia norte resistencia norte is uh, the main barra, yeah, the the one that has is the name of all the groups that support Medellin. So what they do, they are in charge of of putting that, of of putting every banner and every name because we are Lyle Centenario, but there are other names like um, Psicosis or you know La Murga. So they they always put that and they are in charge of decorating the yeah the decoration you know hats off because they do a very good job. Oh, fascinating stuff! Fascinating stuff. Let's uh, let's move on to talk about how Dim are getting on in the league and in the Copa Libertadores this season. They had a slow start to their Libertadores campaign. They're currently second in the league behind City rivals, Atletico Nacional, who seem to be well out in front. How, how do you feel the season is going? Well, the season is going really well, I think. Uh, Medellin are playing really well. Well, unfortunately, this guy, Quintero, who is just amazing... It has been said that he is leaving the team, but apart from that, yeah, Medellin, they are doing a good job. They are, uh, of course, they have to continue working on definition and mostly it has been good. A lot of progress has been seen, especially in the last games. Libertadores, we didn't start like with the right foot. Yeah, we recovered some points and uh, we won here and in Peru. So that was a very good part of of the process and the progress that I that I mentioned. We think that we have to win either the Colombian League or the Libertadores. Let's see what happens. Despite being quite a few points behind Atletico Nacional, it doesn't really matter at this point, does it, Simon? Maybe you can explain a little bit about the league. Yeah, so in the Colombian League, we have a playoff system um, and it's it's a half-year tournament. So Medellin are very well placed. Obviously, results this week weren't perfect, but really they're very close to securing qualification as one of the top eight qualifiers. Uh, and then the top eight go through to the to the playoffs and, and really that's kind of the business end of the tournament. So obviously, it's important to come into that with momentum. But Medellin, as you say, second in the league at the moment in a good position. Um, should, despite uh, having to commit players to Libertadores, and obviously that's you know same as in in Europe with the Champions League, it does create an extra pressure on on league form. I think Medellin are in a good position to qualify for the finals, and then also in the Libertadores they're looking looking better, they're looking good. Quintero's contract, I believe, runs out end of June, July. He said that it will be very difficult for him to stay until the end of the year. So it's more very likely that he'll be moving back to Europe. 
he's been been very good. Obviously, everyone knows his technical ability, his passing, his shooting, his creativity. He doesn't tend to pass it that much sometimes, but he's a player of great skill. Definitely takes responsibility for the game. A player, obviously, many people have seen before. He's he's a real star. It'll be a shame if he can't make it uh, through to the to the latter stages of the Libertadores, as it looks like Medellin are going to get through uh, at the moment. I'm, I'm very positive in that regard. So yeah, it's interesting. I mean, also one of the <laughs> novelties of the Colombian league is the relegation system. Fortunately for Medellin, they're a long way away from that. But for example, the team in third at the moment in the in the Colombian league is America de Cali. They're also third bottom in the relegation table because in Colombia, relegation is is goes back for the average points until 2015, three three years. So the promoted team acquires the points total of the relegated team. So America de Cali started second bottom and they're now up to third bottom um, with Tigres who got promoted bottom of the relegation league. So Colombian league football is interesting. The idea is basically to keep the big teams in the top division by making it less likely that they'll get relegated once they sell some of the key players. So for example, Nacional had a great team last year. They had to sell six or seven players. The idea is that there's always the potential that a big team that sells half its squad could end up having a bad season and maybe getting relegated. The idea is to prevent that, but it also means that the promoted teams have a real uphill struggle to to make sure that they stay in the top division. And, and America de Cali is one of the biggest teams in Colombia. So, you know, in terms of the good of Colombian football, I, I really hope they do stay up. It's looking good. They're moving in the right direction. As I say, third in the league at the moment. It's one of the quirks of the Colombian league system that they could they could win the championship and get relegated in the same season. Yeah, <laughs> this is well, South American football. <laughs> <laughs> well, regular listeners will know that you're a fan of Envigada. I couldn't help but but notice they're actually bottom of the current <laughs> league system at the moment. I wondered yeah. why <laughs> so, you had gone a little bit quiet about them. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the positives of having the relegation system, that Envigado is not bottom of the relegation table. Now, in terms of Envigado in the league at the moment, well, what tends to happen is uh, with Envigado, they sell six or seven players over Christmas and then start again with a team of 17-year-olds. So that's kind of happened. There's been a few standout performances. Uh, Velasquez, who's a 17-year-old, has a baby face, looks about 11 years old. Uh, Angulo, two new players who look interesting. Envigado have been competitive in all their games. Uh, it's just a lack of experience. The case tends to be that in the second half, the second league season of the year, Envigado pick up and tend to challenge for the top eight spaces. So I'm still confident that might happen. Uh, George Saunders, the English Envigado player, has been linked with Medellin and also Atletico Nacional. So it looks like he may be moving to one of the, the Colombian giants, which will be a very interesting story. He's the only English player in South America at the moment, apart from me, but I don't really count. Um, and Adam, obviously, you, yourself as well, up front there in, in Chile. Um, but he's the only player in the South American Professional League. So it'll be interesting to see him potentially playing Libertadores football next season. Yeah, in, in, indeed, indeed. Where can people get in contact uh, with you guys? Simon, you first of all. Yeah, sure. So uh, at Simon Edwards SAF on Twitter. Um, if you have a look, there's some photos from the game, bits and pieces. Um, got, was very well received by by the guys, someone like the Centenario. Um, and so there's some stuff there. And a lot of the guys have like retweeted and commented on some of the stuff. So you can catch up with some of the guys that I interviewed. Uh, I wanted to say thanks very much to to Esteban, to Hans and to uh, Manolo for, for helping out with, with their interviews and 
thanks to Jonathan for, for making me so welcome yesterday. Yeah, huge thanks, Jonathan. Thanks so much for, for coming on the pod and sharing your knowledge and experience of Colombian football. Is, is there any way people can get in contact with you if they want to find out more? First of all, thank you for having me. This has been a very good experience because it is the first time that we give this message out like in English. And uh, I know that you guys are very popular, so we are really thankful for it. The name of our group is Lyle Centenario. So we are on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, well, my personal contact is just Jonathan underscore Mort, M-O-R-T. So oh. thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, that sounds easy enough to get in contact with you. Um, to get in contact with me, you can follow me at Canegia Scores or just search for my name, Adam Brandon, on Twitter. I'm sure I'll pop up there. Yeah. And I'd also like to mention at this point you know thanks to everyone who gets in touch with us here at world football index to say that they enjoy the shows that we produce i get i get a few messages a week and that's certainly make doing these kind of pods you know worthwhile and this has been a really enjoyable pod to put out this week um there's plenty of other great podcasts on the world football index feed we've got the globe podcast uh, this week which was particularly interesting looking at Israeli football. Obviously, there's the Football Grad podcast as well, which looks at Russian football. And also, you know, kind of a flagship show of the World Football Index is probably the Copa Libertadores pod that will return in its full glory next week. But if you want to hear what happened uh, last week in the Libertadores, then give week six a listen. We have another South American football show coming up later this week where we have a review of River against Emelik in that competition. That's the one Libertadores game this week. There's also a brief roundup of Copa Sudamericana action. And there's also an emotional clash between Atletico Nacional and Chapecoense in the Recopa Sudamericana. And between all that, we'll probably also have a look at some of the leagues and the Brazilian league is kicking off, so... Austin Miller, another regular on our South American football show and Copper Libertadores pods. I'm sure he's going to be looking forward to that. Um, Simon, that, that uh, recopper Sud America on a second leg, that should be interesting though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's going to be a big, big uh, atmosphere at the ground. Um, tickets are selling out quickly. Obviously, it's a final. It's kind of an unconventional final. It's kind of the European Super Cup uh Equivalent, so it's the winner of the Copa Libertadores, which is Atlético Nacional, and and Chapecoense, who obviously got to the final and and had you know that horrible tragedy. Um, so they were they were named winners of the Sudamericana. So it's going to be a, an emotional game. Um, Nacional are really putting in some thought into making it an appropriate atmos- uh, atmosphere and an appropriate event. Um, it's going to be, uh, obviously, Chapecoense have the advantage on the field from the first leg. So it should be a competitive game. Uh, National are taking it quite seriously, both in terms of on the field and in terms of uh, getting the preparation right and making sure it's a, a fitting uh, occasion. So it should be a, should be an interesting one, both in terms of the on-the-field things and also in terms of having a packed crowd that is, is very sensitive and very uh, considerate Given the given the events that happened last year, yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing how that one pans out. Well, yeah, thanks again 
to Jonathan and thanks again to Simon and uh, thanks again to all our listeners and uh, good night.